right, welcome, welcome, welcome. Why don't you grab a seat? Oh, tonight we got a good night. Uh, we got some baptisms. If you don't know, that's what this big thing over here uh, coming later tonight. Really excited about that. Uh, and just FYI, so you know ahead of time, we practice something, and that's gonna that wind's gonna bug me, and hopefully it won't bug you. Uh, but we practice something with baptisms where uh, we have a few people that are ready to get baptized. But if you came and you've never been baptized and you're, you're like want to make a public profession of your faith uh, tonight, man, you can do that. You can hop in with your clothes and it's great. We have extra towels and all those sort of things uh, for you there. Uh, I was just thinking about it actually as we were worshiping. It's such a cool idea because if you don't know, we're a church plant. Which, look around, this is pretty great for a church plant, right? I mean, this is amazing. Come on now. Um, and I, exactly a year ago, we met here, and we had, I don't know, who was here like a year ago when we met here outside, there was maybe 50 of us, we had like one speaker, and we were just kind of like over in that corner, and we are just dreaming about this idea of launching a church together and praying. We were actually, t- took the whole month of August to pray together, uh, and we're actually going to take this month pray together as well about what God has for us this next year. Uh, It's just such a sweet moment to look back and go, uh, have these markers in life of looking and seeing, wow, man, a year later, and just look around at what God's doing and seeing him bring people to new life in Christ and seeing him draw people and bringing hurting uh, hope. And it's just awesome, awesome, awesome. Last day, anybody with us yesterday? Anybody? A few of you? Uh, yesterday, we had a little over 70 of you show up here on this campus to serve Del Mar, uh, and it was amazing. I, and what I loved is I was, as I was walking around, we had people that were so uh, like intent on picking up garbage, and there was a ton, and they worked so hard just to clean the campus. We had gum scrapers, and we had redid the, woo, yeah, that takes, I mean, it makes a big difference. And uh, anyways, I could go on and on about gum scraping. We redid the uh, the teachers' lounge area, painted some things over here. Just amazing to see, because we said from day one when we came to this campus, this is more than a place to meet. But God has given us here a people to love, and that we would love this community, that we would tangibly love this community in the name of Jesus, because we think that's what Jesus would do. We would we would do both words and deeds. Would it be better if I did a handheld? All right, let's grab that. Where is it? Because that's, that's going to bug you and me all night long. All right, check, check. There we go. Now, I can't be as animated with a hand. Do what? Scoot over like a foot. Is that better? <laughs> cool. Cool. It's great. Uh, yeah, I don't have much pool around here, obviously. I even get to tell where to stand. We're in a series called Recreate. If you got your bulletins, go ahead, open them up. We're going to dive in. We're actually closing uh, part three. We've been in a series all summer long through the book of Colossians. Uh, we're in chapter three of Colossians, and we're going to finish up tonight. And before we do, let me pray, and we'll dive in. Jesus, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Thank you just to look out and be one service all together and see your hand at work and moving in this generation in this city. And just like the title, Recreate, we ask, God, that you would do that work in us. 
and that you would recreate the city for your namesake. I love what Josh had prayed earlier, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just ask in this moment here, that would be true that your kingdom would invade this moment in our hearts and you would speak to us. God, would you give me the wisdom, the clarity of thought? Holy Spirit, would you speak exactly what needs to be said? In Jesus' name, amen. Recreate. We ask this one fundamental question. It's a question that you've asked in different ways throughout the course of your life, whether spiritual or non-spiritual, religious or not. Uh, you ask this question, how do I become who I was made to be? How do I become ultimately who I was designed to be? And I, we ask this question generally at kind of big transitions in life. This one we're most uh, in tune with that question in our life. We realize there's the next phase and what does it look like to become who we're fully designed to be? But I think even a deeper question for us to ask is how do we be who God made us to be. I mean, just think about that. Everyone showed up here, and, and just think about this reality that you're here on purpose, and God longs to speak to you, and that he has a plan for your life that is not an accident, that you're here, and he says, man, I long to use you. How do you become who you are created to be in God? And we've been asking that question in Colossians chapter 3, actually unpacked it. And the first week gave us this big picture of how to be who God made us to be. And really this new starting point. And we talked about these cycles because I don't know about you. When I answer that question, I fall into this old cycle of, of I try hard, I, you know, especially around the new year or new school year, or uh, maybe it was for me at the birth of each of my kids. I, I, didn't, I long to be the dad I was made to be. I long to be the husband I was made to be. And so for a season, I try really, really hard. And I do good for a little bit. Maybe, maybe not as long as I'd like, but I do good for a little bit. But ultimately, then I'd fail. And then I'd feel a sense of guilt and shame, and I'd actually hide from God. And what I found is my life was on repeat. I don't know about you, but maybe you're there, and you find yourself caught in this cycle. And what the Bible teaches us is that instead of trying hard to earn or attain, that you would rest in who God has made you to be. That he declares you his son, that you are beloved, his daughter, you are cherished, that you are new in him. And as you rest in him, then you would simply renew your minds. And we talked about that intense last week because we talked about not only how to be, but what's keeping you from being who God made you to be. And really began to unpack, and I don't know if you remember this, that we often opt for a spray paint. And I know last week I was calling it a spray can, and everyone was really peeved by that, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, spray paint, I'm told, not a spray can. But we opt for spray paint instead of a sander. And, and it makes sense because spray paint's easy. It's easy to just simply cover up stuff. Spray paint immediately makes you feel like you've been productive, and it looks really good right at the... Whoa, it just shot on its own. Uh, and it looks really good, but you never took care of anything underneath. Still the old you. You, you might have fooled other people, but the old you is still there. And sanding is painful. Sanding is hard, and it takes a long time. And yet it reveals, actually, when you get to the bottom of it, 
this new creation he has made in you. And the process for that is literally renewing your mind. Uh, Scripture says that as a man or woman thinks, so are they. That the most important decision you make each and every day is what you allow into your mind. And that you'd begin, and I hope you did, I don't know if you did, but we gave you just real practical steps how to do that last week. That you rest in who you are, renew. And when you fail, because you will, and I will, that you would realize that you are fully forgiven in that moment. You're fully accepted in that moment. That God is not out against you, yet he is longing for you to return. That you are still his beloved, cherished son and daughter. And you would repeat, and you go back and rest. That's how to be who God made you to be. Now, tonight, I want to ask this question. It's a really practical question. We talked about the big picture, talked about the process, but let's talk practical. For you and I, as we close this series, how do we put into practice? How do we actually live this out? How do we really practically be who God made us to be? Like, in everyday life, what does it look like? And, and i got to be honest, I don't like the answer. I, I just don't. I, I love the answer and the brilliance of how God sets it out because it, it gives none of us a scapegoat. It gives none of us a hiding place. But honestly, I really don't like it. Here it is. Community is the necessary context for you to become who God wants you to be. Community. Relationships. Jay said it earlier. You and I are hardwired design for relationships. Now, here's, here's, here's why. Here's why this is such a big deal. Community is the necessary it, 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 context for you and I to become who we're made to be. And, and here it is. Your response, your response to others will either refine you or confine you. Your response to others around you in your life will either begin to refine who you are, begin to shape you to become more like who he is, become more who you are designed to be, or it will simply confine you. You will be stalemated. You will be stalled. You, it's like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Now, here's the deal. I think many of us are confined. Many of us are stuck because we fail to recognize and realize the importance of community, the importance of relationship. Now, here's why this is so brilliant. And here's why I hate it. I mean, I do. I just, I, I, this is amazingly brilliant of God. He is just such a, you, you, I, I would make the list like, you know, theological training because I can use really big words like super lapsarianism. And you're like, wow, doesn't that make you who God made you to be? And I can hide behind theological jargon. I'm like, come on, isn't that good? Or, I, you know, we can hide behind maybe church attendance or giving. You're like, you know what? I, I, they don't really give. And we kind of compare ourselves and look at me, I gave this. And we have all these standards, and then God says, no, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. It's your relationships. How to practice, how to put in practice who God made you to be isn't, isn't a form, isn't a to-do list, isn't this arbitrary list. It is your relationships. It is 
community. It is the necessary context. Last night, we just got done with our big Serve Del Mar deal. We're tired. I was here uh, real late and then get home, and Jenny had been working all day, and the kids were tired. We're so tired, we ordered pizza. We don't ever, like, hardly order pizza, and we're like, okay, we need a, this is a pizza night, and that means we're low, you know? Not that we don't like pizza. It's just, it's not healthy for you, by the way, for those that like pizza. <laughs> Laying on the couch... Jenny asked this question, and what's, what's so funny is this is, the, this is what I brought. I was trying to find a piece that we could refinish, and if you're here through the whole s- series, you can go back and look at why this piece is significant and whatnot. But she asked me about this piece right here, and she said, I haven't seen it. Where is it? And I'm like, I left it at the school. Now, we got this piece like maybe 10 years ago when we moved to Georgia, and it's, uh, it's the bottom part of a hutch. This piece has been in our garage for six years. I had no idea this was significant and of value to my wife because it's been collecting dust in our garage for six years. The other piece is in our house. And so I was quite irritated when she got mad that I left it here. She's like, no, that's really important to me. I would be so bummed if I lost that. I'm like, it's been collecting dust in our garage for six years. And I responded so bad. So she, she talks, and she's, you know, my, if you know my wife, sweet Jenny. I mean, she's amazing. And I just, I'm laying on the couch watching Storage Wars. Anybody? Storage Wars? Okay. Yeah, that's how low I was. Okay. And as I lay there, she, she talks about that, and I react. I'm like, you don't even care about it. And I just get all hot-headed. And we get in this big argument over this piece of furniture and me leaving it here. Well, I get so mad that then I go into our room out of the, and I start to work on the message for tonight. <laughs> and I read this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion. I was not very compassionate in that moment, was I, God? <laughs> Kindness. Yeah, I, there's nothing kind in that. Humility. Nope. Gentleness. Really bad. Patience. Ooh. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. I'm sitting in my bed, just pulling out the notes, reviewing for today. And I'm going like, oh, God. I can't get away with hiding behind theological jargon in this moment. Because the reality is being in community, being in relationship, it begins to expose you for who you are. When you finally let someone in to see who you really are, all of a sudden the refining process begins, doesn't it? See, community is the necessary context 
for you and I to become who God made us to be. And your response and my response will either refine us where we look and become more and more like Jesus, or you will be confined, you will be hindered, you will be halted, you will be stalled, you will not pass go. And it's your choice. It's your choice. See, in that moment, I was sitting in my bed, and I knew I had to get up today. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God. Because a lot of times I feel like religious activity and the things that I do, I kind of begin to look back and judge and say, yeah, I'm becoming who you made me to be. But when I look how I relate to my kids, I'm not so sure. In the moment with my wife over a little thing about a hutch, I began to see the cracks. And in that moment, my response, I knew, would either be the time where God would refine and sand and work in me, or simply confine me. So I go out the door, and I go, Jenny, I'm sorry. I was impatient, I was unkind, I was not gentle. See, community, relationships, we opt out of some of the most significant things in life because we don't understand how God wants to use it in our life. It's relationships in us that he's using to shape us. Uh, Let's unpack this text here, because how you respond to others will refine or confine you. It is a choice. In community, you have to choose, and there's actually three big things to choose here. Would you choose to respond with grace when it'd be easier to react in pride? That hit a little home for me. Would you choose... It is a choice. It is a practice. It is something that you get to choose. It is not just something that you float along. And we have this whole victim mentality, and there's a reality that bad stuff happens. But you get to choose how you respond to it. Would you begin to daily choose to respond with grace when it would be easier to react in pride? Notice what it says. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, responding with grace begins with a proper understanding and view of yourself. Your starting point, we talked about this two weeks, and he constantly reminds us because we forget our starting point. Your starting point is you are chosen by God. You are part of the community of God. You're part of the family of God. You are holy literally means set apart for a purpose. Think about that. You are set apart for a purpose by the God of the universe. That is your starting point, the beginning place for responding with grace begins with the proper view of you, and you are dearly loved, cherished. And he says this, as a result of that, because that is your starting point, choose this. Clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe, put on We thought a lot about what you're going to wear today, and some of you thought better than others because you're wearing sweatshirts. 
And some of you will wish you had a sweatshirt. I went to my car while Jay was doing announcements because I thought I had a sweatshirt, and I do not. (laughs) And it says, clothe yourself, put on. Every day you think strategically about what you put on. What if you began to think strategically about how you put on your thoughts and your actions? What if it was more than just exterior clothing? What what if it was your your clothing of how you'd respond to others. Notice what it says, put on compassion. Literally, this means empathy and action. It uses two words to define this. Uh, the first is really compassion or pity. The other is this great Greek word called splachna. It's just fun to say. And it really means your innards. It, it is empathy. It, it, it's where you literally feel their pain, but it does not stay there. It is the empathy that moves you to action. Some of you literally feel a lot of empathy towards people, but you never do anything about it. This word compassion here literally means to empathetically feel, to hurt with people, and yet as a result, be moved by people. It's an emotional response with a physical act. And then he says, not only that, clothe yourself with compassion, clothe yourself with kindness. This literally means the quality of being helpful or beneficial. Uh, In our culture, we substituted kindness and niceness. And we believe by being nice and putting a nice front, we're being okay. Notice the definition. The quality of being helpful and beneficial. See, when we're nice, we want to make sure everything feels good. We want to make sure that we feel good, that it isn't awkward, that there isn't any bad, you know, kind of situation. When we're kind, we do whatever is most helpful for the other person. We do whatever is most beneficial, whether it's comfortable or not, whether it's hard or not. See, kindness is not this wishy-washy thing. It says, you know what, for you, I choose to do what is most helpful. That is being kind. And many times we would say we're kind when the reality is, is all we're doing is being nice to their face and hurting them because we wouldn't ever have the courage to say, you know what, the way you're acting or where you're going, I don't believe is where God's leading. Or I don't think that's wise. We're nice, but I don't know about kind. Clothe yourself, compassion, kindness, humility. Humility is having the heart of a servant. In fact, that word pride, take that word pride up there. Pride, and I love pride, and I like that way, but because of the way it works in our English. You notice it's P-R-I-D-E, right? What, what's in the middle? What's right, right, what's right in the center? Yeah. See, pride is simply when you are at the center. It is not about necessarily an overinflated view of yourself, which that is true, that is prideful. It is also a depreciated view because in that sense, when you say, I'm not worth it, I'm no good, all those sort of things, literally that is still a prideful thought because who's at the center? A little too convicting, you couldn't respond at that point? What's going on? I'm sorry about that. This is church, we're going to get real. Okay. I. Pride. You can just write that next to it. Pride equals me seeing me. Humility literally is me seeing God. It is not thinking less of yourself. It is actually thinking accurately about yourself. Humility is saying, I am beloved child of God. Therefore, I am able to serve you. 
I am his kid. And so I don't need to puff up and prove that I'm anybody because he's already said I am a somebody. And as a result, I can serve you. Guess what? If humility is having the heart of a servant, you know when you're tested on this? When you're treated like a servant. You want to know if you're actually humble? Have someone treat you like a servant and see what initially kind of pops up. A few weeks ago, I got to go golfing with a guy who... um, who's a golf pro here in our community, just moved up. In fact, his mom's here visiting him. It's really awesome uh, to see them. Woo! Yay, mom. And he's at this country club. And I just was so amazed by his attitude. As I watched him, as he, I mean, this is his job, but every day he goes to work to serve people. And yet every day and he gets treated like a servant. And yet I watched him joyfully respond to people every single time. I was so impressed, so taken back by it. And it's like, that's humility in action. When you're serving and yet being treated like a servant, and yet you still respond with joy. It says, clothe yourself with that. Clothe yourself with gentleness. Literally, the word is, I mean, you know, in some of your Bibles it says, what, meekness, right? We always associate meekness as weakness, And especially in our culture, gentleness or meekness is not celebrated at all. And yet this word literally has the picture, comes with the picture, the ancient picture of a horse being bridled. That it is literally strength under control. That's what it means to be gentle, is to have strength, to have power, and yet be restrained, to be under control. It is not weakness, it is knowing that you have the ability and yet holding That is what gentleness is. Responding to people on love with grace when you could have responded differently. And lastly, it says, clothe yourself with patience. (laughs) I just got to be honest, man. That one has ruined me. Even last night, you know, Ella actually was, was really upset. And she's sitting crying and Jenny's wanting me to sit and talk with her too and I go to sit down and talk with her and and honestly I just wanted to hear to make things okay so I could go back to work and I get back and Jenny said just sit just listen just be patient we live in a hurried life hurried up world don't we we're always moving forward faster You know what patience is? Patience is the ability to endure and have a good attitude in the process. See, there's people that endure that are not patient. They are critical. Oops. They are critical, whiny, and they let you know all along the way why they're waiting, and they think it's this big, chivalrous moment. See what I did. Patience is the ability to endure and have a good attitude. How to be who God made you to be. Community is necessary. Your response will either define, refine, or confine you. It says, would you begin to choose to respond with grace when it would be easier to react in pride? 
Uh, second thing to choose is would you choose in community to address difficult problems when it'd be easier to avoid difficult people? Would you choose to address difficult problems head on when it'd be easier to avoid difficult people. Notice what the text goes on to say. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I love that first line. It's just bear with. One, the idea of community, you got to be with them. Anytime you bear with someone, it begins either, I think I just made a list of people that I bear with, difficult people. There's just difficult people, right? You know, they just make your life difficult. And I'm like, ah, oh. annoying people. You ever been around annoying people, you know? And the minute you see them, you're like, ah, oh. I hope they don't see me. Or maybe they're at work. Maybe they're here. And you're like, you begin to walk the other way. Sometimes it's different people. What I realize is people I most often bear with are familiar people. Because the truth is, if you really get to know someone, at some point you must bear with them. See, relationships break down when you're unwilling to bear with them. The minute you say, I no longer bear with you, that means we're actually going to go apart. Every level. See, you just need to know this, especially some of you that haven't been in deep relationships. The depth of your relationships will always bring a moment and always bring seasons where you literally have to bear with them. You have to suffer. You have to endure. You have to say, I choose you, even though it doesn't feel good. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Definition of forgiveness is simply letting go of my right for revenge. It's releasing. It's really letting go. I have a right. You did something that violated me. You did something against me. And as a result, I have a right to hold it over you. I have a right to get back at you. I have a right to think these things about you. And I let it go. I release my right for revenge. Notice what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. We confuse that. And we think, I forgive and forget. Well, I got to tell you, you won't be able to forget. If you define it that way, you'll feel like a failure the whole time. Forgiveness is not always, but it is the goal, but it's not always reconciliation either. Not every instance where someone has violated can you be reconciled to. There's things, there's people that have done some things to you that you need not and should not. It would be dangerous to be reconciled, to be restored back into a relationship. Define it right. Forgiveness is simply letting go of your right for revenge. Let me give you the process of forgiveness because I think this is a foreign concept for us in our day. And it says if we're going to do community, if we're going to address problems when it's easier to avoid difficult people, you have to learn, I have to learn to bear with one another, and then they're going to get on our nerves, they're going to do something, and we have to learn how to forgive one another. Here's the process for forgiveness. First, it's just the tenses of the verb here. Forgive. Present tense. It's a choice. In the moment, I release my right for revenge. I, I let go of it. Now, here's the problem with that. 
because no one ever talks about the process of forgiveness, is we think it's done there, but something happens a little bit later, maybe they tweak you a little bit later, and you pick up your right for revenge again. And so then you hit the next stage. Okay, in this moment, I forgave them, and now I'm in the process of forgiving them. Stage two, forgiving. I'm in process of forgiving you. Depending on the level of the distrust, the hurt, the pain, really depends on how long that process is. For some, it's real quick. For some, if it's a repeated thing, it may take a long time. If it's a deep wound, it may take a very long time. You may need to talk to someone about that and get some help. I forgive you. Now I am forgiving you. And eventually you'll come to the end of the process where you, you'll realize in that process, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're, I've released it. When I see you, and here's how you know you landed there. When I look at you, I no longer wish you harm. I no longer wish that you would just... I, almost got, I want to say die, but that's so mean. But we think about that, right? I mean, that's, when we look at people, we, we come, that's how we process. We, it, we long for ill will towards them. When you look at them and you can say, I wish you well. We may not be able to have a relationship together, but I wish you well. There may be some realities and some safety things where we may not be able to even be around one another. But you know what? I pray that God works in your life. I pray that he restores you. I pray that you experience his grace. I wish you well. I don't have ill will thoughts towards you. That's when you know you've ended the process of forgiveness. The problem is, if you don't do that, what you will do and I will do and it happens over and over again, is instead of addressing hard and difficult problems, we just inevitably choose the easy road and avoid difficult people. That choice, that response, will confine you and keep you from being who God made you to be. Because community, community is what? The essential context for you and I to become who God made you to be. The last thing to choose as we close. Respond with grace. Address difficult problems. And would you engage proactively? Would you engage proactively when it would be easier to observe passively? We have a widespread pandemic of passiveness in our society. Would you begin to engage proactively when it'd be easier to sit by, cross your arms? It's not my deal. It's not my issue. Not my problem. And just simply observe passively. Just think about this. Would you engage proactively in your marriage and you've been observing passively for a long time? Would you engage proactively with your kids and you've been observing passively for a long time? Would you engage proactively with your closest friendships, neighbors, 
and coworkers when you've been observing passively for a long time. Think about this. Think about this. Would you engage proactively with the family of God here, that he's placed this family here? You are a chosen people, holy beloved of him. And he said, would you engage proactively to become who I've designed you to become instead of sitting by, watching, letting everything pass you by, and simply observing passively? Notice what the text says. And over all these virtues, notice, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Put on love. Now, here's the problem. In our society, we've pretty much defined love as a passive thing, something that happens to us. We what? We fall in love, right? I mean, it's just something that happens to us. And so as a result of falling in love, we also fall out of love. And so we've begun to define love as this passive idea. The scripture teaches a radically different idea about love. It is not passive. It is proactive. Notice the definition of love. I got this from my dad. I love it. I've used it for years. Love is giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. That's what love is. It's not just about falling in and out of love. It's not about this ooey-gooey feeling. Love is giving the other person what they need, not what they want, what they need, not necessarily their way all the time. Love is giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. That's the hardest time to love, by the way, isn't it? Because when they deserve it the least, what do you want to do? You want to cross your arms. You want to sit back and go, told you so. You deserved it. Right? I mean, that's what we do. We sit back and we go, yep, serves them right. And he says, no, 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 no. No, no. Would you engage? Would you choose? It is your choice to choose to engage proactively. Now, let me just unpack what love is because love is both. It is this beautiful tension. And it's in your notes there. It's those ands. Since I don't have PowerPoint, I've got to explain where I'm at in the notes here. Love is both an emotion, something that you feel, and yet at the same time, it is a choice. It's not either or, it is both. And at times you feel in love, and other times you simply choose to love. Love is both effortless. Remember those days if you've ever fallen in love, or maybe when you first got married or engaged, and it just came effortless, and it was so easy, and yet... Love takes work. Love is both natural. It is the most natural thing for us because we were designed in the image of God who, it says in 1 John, God is love. It is both natural, and it comes naturally oftentimes, but then it also is intentional. You have to take specific steps. Love is both the want to, what I want to do, and at times, have to. What I have to do. Love is the why and the what. It's not either or. It is not a wishy-washy feeling. It is giving the other person what they need the most when they deserve it the least. Would you choose to engage proactively instead of simply sitting by passively. See, community is the necessary context 
the environment that God is placed for you and I to become who we're made to be. And there's all kinds of reasons, there are all kinds of uh, things for us to opt out of it, to step back, because it's hard. It's uncomfortable. There's the difficult people. There's all kinds of people where we just go, man, I don't like it. And yet, how you respond to others will either refine you to who God made you to be, or it will simply confine you and keep you back. How about you? What about you? When you just kind of go through that list, so you, you know you know real honestly for where I'm at and what last night was for me. This huge awareness of God just putting my heart under the microscope and saying, Ingram, you're not there yet. Instead of feeling guilty and shame, rest. Rest that I am your son. Renew my heart and mind on you. See, for us as a church, as a community, we're coming up as a one-year-old church. The reason Jay spent a lot of time talking about that, about community, is we believe we will not be the church God intended, the people God made us to be, unless we begin to intentionally, proactively say, we're going to get into community, we're going to be family together, and just begin to make these choices to see what God wants to do in us and then through us. And so here's what I just simply want you to do. There's some personal things that you need to take care of. As I've talked tonight, there's some relationships that you need to restore, some conversations you need to have. And I know, I know that there's some things that have played back as we've gone through those lists of things that you're going like, oh, would you first write down exactly what you need to do, what the next step, maybe it's just one of these where you go, you know what, I need to begin to respond with grace when it'd be easier to react in pride. Or maybe I've been avoiding difficult people and I need to begin to address that issue. Would you get real clear? I do not want you to leave tonight without saying, okay, I'm taking the next step. I'm going to have the courage to step into what God is doing in my life. Do it. You will not be the person he made you to be unless you do. And then, and then, would you take that little card, because we long to travel as a community and do this together and say, I'm going to get in community here, and you drop it off in one of those things, and we're going to do this, and we're going to figure out how to journey. It will be messy. It's not going to be easy. We're not going to always like each other, but we're going to choose. We're going to choose to respond with grace. We're going to choose to address the difficult problems. We're going to choose to engage together proactively as a family. Would you join us there? Let me pray. God, thanks for tonight. And I just got to imagine this, this message hits on so many fronts because relationships are the highest points of our life and they are the lowest points for our life. And so, God, I just ask that your grace would pour over each person here. That you would give them the courage to take the next step with you and where you're leading and guiding them. That they would literally respond and choose tonight and follow through this week. Make 
us a people, God, we pray. Make us a people that look more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.